Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. In the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says that after Jesus was risen from the dead, he actually spent 40 days with his disciples, 500 at one time. The Bible says, and he showed proof that he was alive. He ate with them. He talked with them. He taught them. And the Bible says on the, on the final day, they're standing on the Mount of Olive, and this is the day that he will be taken away in a cloud. The Bible is a figurative book. It's also metaphorical, but it's, it's laced and laden with truth. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. It's a love letter to us written by the Holy Spirit. No one interprets the Bible like the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says that um, in this, if you read further down, I'm not going to go there, but just going to bring you up to date on it. It's, it has a, a, a peculiar statement. The Bible says after he had said these things, he was taken away on a cloud and, and so we believe that a cloud came down from heaven and sat, he kind of climbed on the cloud and it took him away. And then so it gives the impression that when we go to heaven, that we're going to be all sitting around in clouds playing harps. I don't know where the harp part came from, but certainly the cloud part came from the scripture. But when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it's, it talks about a cloud of witnesses. And so it, 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 it seems to, to, to be more likely that what the disciples saw was not white clouds coming down from heaven, but a crowd of people. And he actually, he actually was taken up with the crowd of, of, of saints that had went before, of patriarchs and, and women of God who had went before him. But here he's, he's meeting with his apostles, and this is important for you to believe because all of your faith, all of my faith rests on the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ. It's not about connection to people as much as it is connection to him. It says here, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Our kingdom. They were talking about Israel. They said, okay, everything has been accomplished. Messiah did what Messiah was supposed to do. But they asked him about the, about the time. You flip to King James, and it, it's an interesting way it's placed. It says, will thou at this time, everyone say this time. We're always concerned not about what's going to happen uh, uh, in the, for eternity, but we're always caught up in this time. And so they were wondering if it, all that you did was it to give us back what's ours. And it's, there's a theology that says that, uh, it's a kingdom theology that says that God uh, sent Jesus to become poor so we could become rich. And when we think about riches, we think of physical, mortal, um, now, this time riches. But, and that has something to do with God giving us what we need uh, to uh, take care of our families and to conduct ministry, maybe start businesses. But the riches he was talking about was this unthinkable, unimaginable um, bliss that we will experience in the hereafter. Our citizenship, our lives are really in heaven. Now it says here, flip back to New Living Translation, 
In verse 7, in response to the question, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. Dates and times. In in the Greek, it's chronos and kiros. He said, said, it's times and seasons. Um, One speaks of calendar days successively passing. The sun comes up, it sets, and a day passes. But another uh, speaks of strategic moments in history. He said the Father alone determines what's going to happen on what day and how the days are going to pass. Sometimes they're consequential, sometimes they seem inconsequential. He said, but God alone determines how the days are going to play out. And so our, our job is just to trust Him. And He says, they're not for you to know. They are, say, say that out loud. Say, they're not for you. Everybody together out loud. They are There are some things that you seek prophets out for that prophets can't give you a word from. You're going from place to place, church to church, ministry to ministry. You're standing in lines for prophecy for things that are not for you to know. And they're not for you to know because what they will do, they'll preclude you from standing in faith. People always come up to me and say, Pastor, why don't, you, why don't you do a teaching on Revelation? The only reason you want to know about Revelation is because you're so caught up in what's to come because you want to know how to handle now. But the Bible says that just shall live by faith. For we walk by faith, not by... Stop being so caught up in how things look and how things feel. And begin, I'm going to say something that's amazing that you got to get this. You know, sometimes you, when you look at other people's lives, you, you tend to think that they have more favor than you do. I'm going to ask you to disrobe yourself and be painfully honest and just tell the truth in, in, in the assembly of the saints. How many of you at times, especially when you look at social media and people posting the best of their days, uh, uh, um, it feels like God has forgotten you? Okay, there's some of you ignoring me. How many of you believe, based on how your life is going at times, that God is doing more for them than he's doing for you? That's more honest. Now, let me help you out with this. The problem with that is, great, the Bible says everything in our lives, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Everything that you receive is by grace through faith. By grace through faith. By grace through faith. By grace Okay, here's why it's important. The word grace, by definition, this word, akaris, it, it literally means favor. Unmerited favor that gives us undeserved access to earn, unearned blessings. You have grace. Romans 5 says that we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. You have favor. But every bit of favor that manifests in your life comes through your faith. There's only two ways to, to release faith. I don't know, even though I'm going on this road, but I'm going to stay here for a minute. You release faith through the words of your mouth and through your actions. There's no other way. You can't sit and think it. You can't sit and complain about it. Your favor doesn't come because you pray about it. Your favor comes because you claim it. Because you speak out of your mouth and say about yourself what God says about you. So even if you don't feel blessed or your life doesn't look as good as another person's life, you don't stop saying about yourself what God has already said about you. Now, some of you just heard the Lord. You could grab your Bible and slip out. You just heard the Lord. That's your whole message for the day. 
God wants you to say about yourself what he's been saying about you. And until, listen, the Bible says, you, you've heard the scripture, it says, um, um, it speaks of, of, of the voice in the earth that's speaking on behalf of God. I have to be able, watch this now, I have to be able to hear what God says and release what he says in the earth. God could say it about me all day long, but until I say it, I am the verifying witness. Until I say it. Until I act on it, until, until I believe it against all odds, it, it means nothing. The favored life. Dates and times, he says to them, he says, not for you to know these things. And he says, but here's what you need to know in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. Dunamis. He says, you're going to receive the kind of power where things are going to happen in your life that you can't account for. He says, you, after you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, and you will what? Out loud, you what? You notice he didn't say you will go witnessing. And I want to, I want to, I want to, um, I've taught this in, in each location and you, it's your turn for me to teach this. He said, Pastor, I've heard this before. Then shut up and pretend like it's the first time. Here's the thing. We have taught people. As a matter of fact, I remember if you've been in church for a while, you've been a member of some version of what we call a soul winning action team, a SWAT team. And, and the mission of the SWAT team was, was to get up early on Saturday mornings or whatever day of the week, and we would, go into, we would descend upon a neighborhood. And we would pray in a circle, then we release, and then we will go knocking on doors, grieving people's spirits, making people uncomfortable. Because the Bible never says, Jesus never says, and there's no way in Scripture, if you show me, I'll eat the whole book. There's no way in Scripture what he says that you will go witnessing. No. He says, you will be, literally in the Greek, you will become unto me witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. witnesses. In 1970, the federal government started a program from the Department of Justice called the WITSEC program. It was the Witness Security or the Witness Protection Program. In the WITSEC program, they, they would identify key players in, in, in organized crime situations, and they would arrest them and then offer them a plea deal. The plea deal involved in a, a complete change of identity. They asked for two things in exchange. Number one, they said, they said, we will relocate you, change your identity, train you for a new job, put you in a new city, give you a new house, new car, give you new everything, and all we need from you is your testimony. Anybody got testimony? All we need from you is your testimony, and, and the second thing we need to, to, to protect our investment in you. So that the, the crime family doesn't kill you before you could be a witness for us? Disconnect completely from your old life. They warned the witness that if you ever went back and tried to reconnect with your old life, you'll put yourself and your family in danger. We can't protect you if you go back. But if you stay in this new life... And, and, and learn this new way. It's going to be difficult. You're going to miss your friends. You're going to miss some of your family. They're going to talk bad about you in your absence. He said, but what we're going to do for you is we're going to set you up with a new identity. An identity crisis occurs when what I feel on the inside does not line up with what I see on the outside. Then I have to determine which person I'm going to be. And so what I want to do with the rest of this, I, I came today just to talk to you. I just, I, I had to remind myself 
that it's not proper in this setting to, to, to try to go all in and teach you. It's for Bible study, the kind of teaching I want to do. But I want to share this with you. What's important is we come together as a church and we forget why we're together. You are a witness right now, whether you know it or not. See, what, what, the, 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 of the deception of the SWAT ministry, the soul winning action teams, when we would descend. I remember one time we, we were in Ozark at a church up there, and, and they dropped us off. And, and, and what's the name of that high rise up there? What's it called? Anybody remember the high rise? And we went in this, this, this thug neighborhood. I'm talking about we went into the ghetto. Remind me when I lived in Miami. I mean, we went into this neighborhood, knocking door to door. And then when the Muslims found out that we were there, they met us at the bottom of the hill. Big old crowd standoff. And, and when I came down the hill, since I was, I guess, a senior ranking on the pastoral team, they pushed me in the middle of this circle with this other guy like we were going to do a dance off to beat it or something. It was crazy. And, and, so, and so I didn't want to argue with him because that's not what we're called to do. You say, well, Pastor, what about the Jehovah's Witness? Let's talk about the Jehovah's Witness. I don't want to offend you. Some of you, your family's a Jehovah's Witness. As a matter of fact, you may identify to some degree as a Jehovah's Witness. Let me help you out with that. Number one, have you ever read their Bible? I'm not throwing off on them. You say, well, you shouldn't talk about other Christians. That's the problem. They're not Christians. See, now when I say that, that troubles you because you, you think that you, you're thinking ecumenically. What does that mean? It's a real expensive word that means that all religions are the same and we just call God by different names, which is not true. Because I want to point out to you, I've said this before, that when you read, when, the, when you talk to a Muslim, I love my Muslim brothers and sisters, but here's what they say. They say, Allah has no son. That's crazy because Yahweh has one. We're called the people of the book. To the people of the book, stop the, the, um, the, the inscription in the Dome of the Rock says, stop, stop being blasphemous, stop insulting Allah. Allah has no sons. That's cool. You could have Allah. See, the God I serve has a son that he sent. What differs, what makes us to differ from other people is that our God, instead of asking us to sacrifice for him, he sacrificed for us. Instead of telling us to find your way to me, he came to get us. Jesus becomes the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. He's a good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. He's a great shepherd because he got up when he laid down his life. And he's a chief shepherd because he didn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit and other shepherds to pass to us. The Jehovah's Witness, when you read their Bible, I had a running with them about some 25, 30 years ago. And what's interesting about them is in, in John chapter 1, verse 1 of their Bible, it says, beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, small g. When I interrogated them about this small g, they said that Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God. He's just one of Jesus, our God's sons. And he asked, well, do you believe he died for us? They said, no. Their teaching is you work your way into Jehovah's kingdom. How do they do it? Let me tell you how they do it. They give people copies of Watchtower and copies of different, and they station them in different places. On Saturday morning, they get up early in sacrifice, and they go from door to door knocking, trying to earn their way into Jehovah's kingdom. And the church adopted that and called it witnessing. We're not called to do that. What the Lord says about us is we will become witnesses. You, you said, Pastor, I've, just, I've never witnessed. You're witnessing now. What are people, when people look at you, your life is saying something. You are in spiritual witsec. 
And God can only protect your life as long as you stay connected to your new life. You keep going back to that old life and trying to live. Listen, you, you're putting yourself in mortal danger. Your new identity, you have to grow into it. You have to learn how to be this new person. But that's what we're called to be. We're called to be new. <laughs> stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. And now, a word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. Yeah. There are now two ways for you to receive this regular encouragement via text message. Simply text Uplift to 46786 and you'll receive this regular encouragement on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift via text message, simply text Uplift to 46786 and you'll be able to receive this encouragement on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. To receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift on a daily basis, simply download the free NCC Family app available in the app stores for iTunes and Google Play. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Yo. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. I know you're going to dig this. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Jesus said, you'll be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You're going to start small, expand regionally, and then you will go um, to a national level. And then he says, you'll be, it'll be everywhere. He said, it's uncontainable. Witnesses. When I was doing the research on, on this thing about witnesses, I, start, I thought about my own life. And I asked the Lord, I said, I said, God, when you call us to do what you call us to do, you do know that we're going to mess it up. Doesn't it trouble you that we don't get it right? And the Lord says, what you miss is, after you get it wrong, your life doesn't stop being a witness. See, people don't just watch you to see if you're going to stand. There are people who look at your life to learn how to recover. Your neighbors don't think you're perfect, but they look at you and they want to see how consistent you are. And they're trying to measure now. They're measuring their lives based on your witness. So, Pastor, I don't live much of a Christian life, and that's preaching to them. And that's why sometimes when you get into fussing contests with your neighbors, they say you're, you're supposed to be a Christian because although they're not a Christian, they have an idea of what Christianity is supposed to look like. <laughs> Do this for me. I'm gonna. 
we not, I'm not going to keep you long. I want to move forward a little bit. There, there's a, a, a scripture in Colossians that I wanted to, to, to share with you, but I'm not going to do that. Put, go on the screen for me, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. If, if the witness compromises his new identity, it puts him in danger. We have to be trained to protect and identify with this new life. Identify. Identity speaks to who I, how I see myself. Everybody look at me for a minute. Identity has nothing to do with what I do. It has to do with who I am. You've heard me give this definition before, but it bears repeating today. There was a word, the, the, the Latins used the word was idem, I-D-E-M. It meant the same. And when you use it in the phrase idem, a, idem, and, it means um, same, and, that's a, same, idem, idem, idem. It meant, it meant one and the same. Um, recently, the, 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 that phrase made a comeback, and we start saying as a slang, it is what it is. It's the same, idem, idem. When, when Moses... When Moses met God on the mountain when the bush was burning, you remember that? When, when he was asked to take off his, his shoes, and the Bible says that God sent him to his, um, back to Egypt and said, deliver my people and bring them here to worship. When Moses was going, Moses said, I'm concerned that if I go and I said, your God sent me, they're going to ask me what his name is, and I don't know your name. And God says to him, if they ask you my name, tell them, listen, idem, a idem. That's what he says. Tell them I am that I am. The Latins say, Tell them I am one and the same. That's what it means. That phrase, idem, idem, is our English word identity. He said, Tell them I'm the one that creates identity, and I, my identity will shift to become whatever you need me to be. Well, if, you, if, 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 if you need me to persuade Pharaoh to let you go, I persuade him in ways that you couldn't even imagine. When you get to the Red Sea, if it doesn't part, I become a bridge over that troubled water. When, when you get to the other side, I create water from the rock, uh, uh, honey from rocks. I will do, I'll send quail from the ocean. I'll do whatever I need to do to get you right in your life. God says the, 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 I, the problem is not how I identify. The problem is who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you call yourself? And so I want to take you through this real fast. Jesus came and he told his disciples, this is, we're going backwards in time. He, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, he says this. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, he says, these, I'll teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now you say, well, are these commands the Ten Commandments? No, they're, they're under the new covenant, there's only four commandments. The law of faith, the law of love, the perfect law of liberty, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ. They know the laws for the believer. Wait a minute. We got to keep the Ten Commandments. Second Corinthians 3 says no. It says no. Matter of fact, the Bible says, it actually says of itself, the letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive with the only four laws. He said, teach them. Now, I want to show you something. Go back to verse 18. Here's what he says to them in verse 18 of this very same uh, chapter. We just read it. He said, I've got, I have authority on earth. He said, based on my authority, and I flip to verse 19 if you can real fast. He said, based on my authority, therefore, what's the next word? 
Say it out loud. In the Hebrew, the, the, the syntax and the grammar of Hebrew reads like this. He says, as you are going. He didn't just say go. He said, as you're going, make disciples. Say that out loud. Say, as I'm going, I make disciples. <clears throat> okay, so, so who am I a witness to? If I'm not called to go knocking door to door, I'm not called to people on the street, who am I called to? The people that God called you to be a witness to are the members of your family, your co-workers. You got it? People that you have immediate, your friends, whoever you have Im- immediate interaction with, the people that you think are least likely to believe you are the ones you're called to. I'm going to tell you a story. So some years ago, my father... Um, came and he realized that I had a ministry, a viable ministry, and I wasn't some fly-by-night. And so he, he was like so taken. He says, man, he said, we got to get your ministry in St. Thomas. So I said, no problem. So we went on television nationally in the Virgin Islands. This is a true story. A lot of the guys I used to roll with in my thug days, they got saved just from seeing me preaching. When I went back, I was invited to do a men's meeting. And when I showed up, I was thinking to myself, well, who will come to me teaching a men's meeting? I mean, you know, I'm in Alabama. They don't even know me. I mean, the people I live with there, some are dead in jail and gone. Most are dead and in jail. Some are gone. And when I got there that Friday night, I walked into the building, and it was packed wall-to-wall men. And as I'm looking in the audience because years have passed, I'm thinking, man, I know that guy, Steve, and that's, that's Willis. I'm looking at these guys. Man, everybody got older, but I know these guys. And afterwards, when I talked to them, they said, when we saw you on television preaching, they said, man, we start, we tune in every day just to hear what you're going to say next. Not because I was so good of a preacher, but because we knew you. They said, we knew you. And, and to see this, it said, God is real. <laughs> Sometimes all the people in your life need to know is that this Jesus that you claim to know is more than just a religion to you. It's more than, you know, how, how, how many of you were gamers before you got saved? Okay, you want to tell the truth? Point to somebody in here, you didn't know, no, don't do it. How, how many of you were, 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 you were out there? How many of you were out there, out there? Let me see all the out there, out there people. Okay, watch this now. <laughs> when, when I first got saved, people had to look at me like, we're going to watch you for a while because we... What's, what you try, what you up to? That thing was, what you, up to, what you up to now? And that's how it was with some of us. But as they keep watching you, they realize, man, this thing is real. And when they come to you, don't preach yourself. Don't tell them, you know, well, 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 my eyes were open or I found the Lord. Tell them the truth. Tell them I didn't know where to look. And the Lord came and found me where I was. And he changed my life. And I promise you the glory does not belong to me. The the glory belongs to him because I tell you right now if it was up to me I will be going straight to hell but he, the Lord creates the opportunity for you to verbalize your witness other than that you just live before them just live before them sit down okay so I want, I'm going to end with this real quickly as I'm going I witness as I'm going I witness so I'm going to share this with you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. The Apostle Paul wrote the first letter to the church in Corinth because they wrote him first asking him specific questions. They want to know about about marriage and sexuality and worshiping in temples of idols and eating meat offered to idols. They had had specific questions for Paul. And so Paul 
pens the first letter, to, or epistle rather, to, the, to the, uh, the Corinthian church and told him to share this letter with other churches. The second letter, though, that he wrote, he wrote this letter because after he left them, he pastored them, I believe, for maybe a year and a half. And after he left them, some Judaizers, the people who believed in the old covenant, and they believed that if you're going to be saved, you need some Old Testament and some new. That thing is, you got you to... Gotta, you gotta, um, you can't leave Moses out of this thing. Moses did too much for our people. And Jesus is good, but you need Moses and Jesus. And some Elijah too, by the way, to represent the law, the prophets, and then the new covenant. So Paul, um, after he heard what was going on, he wrote to them. and He said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He says, be careful that you don't get messed up understanding our apostleship. So I want to explain the word apostle to you. I think I've done it before. If I have, again, pretend like it's the first time you heard it. The word apostle, our word apostle comes from the, the word apostolos. Apostolos used to be actually the name for an admiral and his ship. What the Romans would do is they would look for parts of the world that did not have Roman culture. As far as they were concerned, they were, the, they were the conquerors of the world, and every part of the world, just like it had become Greek under Alexander the Great, had to become Roman under their law. And so their emperor said, wherever there's no Roman culture, we will send you out there, and you will make them, you will colonize them and make them Romans. So they, they sent out an admiral, admiral with a lead ship, and maybe four or five ships behind him, and they would go to places where there was no Roman culture. They would go there first, they would set up a little settlement, and they would live the Roman life. As they engaged the people, they would invite them to learn the Roman way of life and show them it was better. If they didn't want to, 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 to acquiesce to it, they will, they will subjugate them. They will make them. But the goal was to create everywhere Roman culture. You got it? And when, if the culture, when the culture was set up and it was strong, it was the dominant culture in the region, then the apostolos, the apostle, would get back on his a ship called the apostolos, and they would leave out again looking for new territory. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.